Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, let's get into it. Topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville. Dial pound 3636. Pizzaville for pickup and delivery during these tumultuous times. Certainly, uh, they are ones that are trying our souls and patience. And uh, to that end, the city of Toronto earlier today declared a state of emergency. This is the mayor. Rearranging the, the, the 20. This afternoon, I signed a document declaring a state of emergency in the city of Toronto after receiving advice from our chief medical officer of health and the office of the emergency management. All right. Uh, against that backdrop, let's introduce the panel today. The Monday edition, Adrian Batra, editor-in-chief of the Toronto Sun. How's Adrian holding up? I'm doing very well, John. Great day for talk radio. Thank you for that. And Kim Wright rounding out the panel, principal at Wright Strategies. How you doing, Kim? I'm not so bad. Good. Good. Okay. Uh, social distancing, isolation, and all the rest. How about the mayor, Adrian Batra, declaring a state of emergency? And, you know, what that implies is that uh, they may actually enforce social distancing, uh, may not have the police to do it, but he said maybe licensing staff may, uh, including fines and so on and so forth, but we don't know. There was no number affixed to that. Is he acting uh, proactively now, reactively, maybe uh, later than he should have? How do you see this? Well, I think the city of Toronto is actually one of the first ones to um, make the the significant move last week to shut down bars and restaurants. And so from from that perspective, they were a bit slightly ahead of um, the curve as far as uh, curbing, um, you know, the public distancing and making sure that people are not... um, not in close proximity with one another. So the state of emergency declared by the city today was the next logical step. I mean, obviously, there's been, it's sort of like trickling down from the federal government to the provincial government to the municipal government. So um, unsurprising. Now, the question you ask with respect to the enforcement, I think, is the key here. I mean, we can barely get bylaw officers to enforce other issues, let alone um, something as significant as this. So I think that um, that's a, that's a question mark as far as how will it be enforced, um, and furthermore, uh, what will um, what will that list look like? Even though from the provincial government tomorrow, what will that list look like for the city of Toronto in terms of the essential services and what can and um, cannot stay open? There's still a lot of question marks, but just as far as sort of the overarching policy, these are the things that we need to be moving in the direction. A little too late from all of them, from my perspective, but. We're there, we're getting there, and we need to continue to flatten that curve. All right. Kim, your thoughts on the state of emergency declared by the City of Toronto today? And as I said to Adrian, that would maybe involve uh, social distancing being enforced, Uh, not only maybe because we may not have the resources, but they're talking of that. I don't know what the fines might entail. Any thought? Well, we've seen uh, Vancouver uh, Mayor Kennedy Stewart earlier today and their council imposed uh, similar restrictions because they were seeing, you know, 
clubs of people out in, on the beaches and, and out and about and not practicing social distancing. So they, in fact, approve measures of fines of up to $50,000. Uh, whether they'll ever levy those it's a stick they have to have in their toolkit. There are far too many people who who either aren't getting the message or aren't hearing the message. Uh, there are far too many people who are out, you know, playing basketball or just, you know, not being, uh, not being aware of how close they were to each other. Uh, and so I think they need to have some of those uh, carrots and sticks. I have to also give uh, a shout out to the government, you know, as as. I'm not often one to, you know, start with, you know, the Doug Ford government did this right. But one of the changes they made last week uh, in in their emergency session was a change to the Ontario Municipal Act in the City of Toronto, which now allows for to meet electronically. Obviously, they're going to have to sort out some of the public uh, interact public notice provisions and how do people do delegations. But the fact that they are finally they don't have to have, uh, you know, 50, 60, 100 people crammed into a council chamber and a committee. There's lots of ways to do this technology to get the business of governing moving. So I think that was a really good move by the province to deal with. There's lots of ramifications around how to people engage and be aware of what's happening in the local government, but I thought this was a good tool. All right, so they've got social distancing implemented as, uh, all right, uh, so we got ahead of that. Now, the question about tomorrow when he comes out with a list, he says a more firm idea, uh, representation of what is essential and what is Mm non-essential. Adrian Batra, I'm kind of curious because, you know, uh, that's one of those semantic terms where, you know, as somebody needs to put food on their family's table and yeah. they're facing the loss of a business, they might damn well make a pretty persuasive argument that it's essential that they keep the business open. Am I wrong? Well, I, I no, and, and I think and I think that's really the salient issue right now and why it's perhaps taken as long as we have to get to the point where we are. Because who is that person behind the curtain that is making the decisions as to who is um, what, who is an essential service. Um, I would, I could argue right now that the media is an essential service. You know, that's how the vast majority of the public is getting their information. I can make the argument that it's still winter outside. Um, what if my furnace breaks down? Is the person who fixed the furnace um, an essential service? So there's so many different permutations as to what we as an individual believe is an essential service. And now we're going to be relying on um, government in order to provide us those answers. I think we can think of some of the more basic stuff. You know, we've talked about the pharmacies and, and, the, and the grocery stores and the supply chain in terms of those that provide us with um, our daily goods and things like that. That's, that's very straightforward. But it's these other sort of trickle-down things where I, um, I'm, I'm going to be very interested to see what the list looks like. We know that the province of Quebec, for example, has um, talked about the, 20, uh, the, the um, extensive lockdown uh, yesterday and, and today, so just slightly ahead of Ontario, just slightly. But I haven't seen a real full-on comprehensive list from them either. But one thing we all know is that liquor stores across the country are not shutting down. Yeah, I know. And- <laughs> uh, so what are, we, what are we to make of that, Kim Wright? So, I, and I've had this conversation with people uh, today about this, and, and my thoughts remain uh, that prohibitions don't work. Uh, and what happens often in the case of alcohol consumption is if you, as we saw during prohibition, is that people will find alternatives, quote unquote, which are far more dangerous societal uh, standards 
Yeah, but these are meant to protect the workers in the stores as much as anything. But I, I think you need to continue on the social distancing as you are in grocery stores, as you are in uh, in pharmacies. I think there are a number of components to that. But keeping, as also as Mayor Tory said at this point, they're also keeping the uh, safe consumption sites open. There is a public health argument to be made around this, and I know this is a broader for another day, but I think keeping the LCBO going, uh, it, at least uh, at least in the immediate term, is is smart uh, from a from a societal standpoint. And I don't think uh, and, All right. I, and so a marijuana dispensaries would follow the same logic, right? So I think yeah, yeah. and I think yeah, that's what you're going to see is that uh, those types of services and the same same with convenience stores uh, for tobacco, you know, there or lottery tickets. I think you're going to have you're going to have them open. You're going to have a convenience store that will likely be open. One of the things that will be interesting as this as this follows out will be the broader conversation from the federal government, and I suspect this will be part of the discussion tomorrow on Parliament Hill, will be around revisiting a notion of a basic income. Because one of the things that is keeping people from staying at home and social distancing appropriately is they need to pay their rent. All right. Are you saying, is that a temporary measure? Uh, I, I think we're going. I think that's part of what has to be part of an eco- economic package: a basic income, at least. To you get know, no, no, I understand. But are you saying then it goes forward? Henceforth, uh, it's implemented as public policy for eternity now in perpetuity. Oh well, I think the Ontario government was looking at what does that look like, and they were well on their way of figuring that. I know, out. I know, I know. They had the pilot project going into three municipalities, and it got scuppered. But you're—I'm just asking you a simple question. You see it as a temporary, a bridge measure, or is it going on? I, I think it should be immediately as a bridge measure, and see what the what the long term uh, policy implications are. But I think it has to be something that gets because people are looking at their April first bills, their rent is is due in a number of cases, and they're not being given leave. No, I understand. All right, so there's going to be all kinds of devastation on so many fronts, Adrian Batra. I mean, that's yeah. been proffered here as you know, sort of the safety net that you know, encompasses everybody. Uh, do you see that as being logical or might there be other ways? I mean, as, uh, you know, look, April 1, Kim is right about that. Uh, you know, yeah. people are going to have to pay bills and so on. And despite the package announced by Mr. Morneau last week, uh, what other fail-safes could there be? Well, that's, so this is an important question because what is it that we are prepared to give up or um, have government do for us as citizens, as, as free society in, a, in, a, in the state of an extraordinary circumstance such as what we're facing right now. And I think the part of that discussion is if we do look at something like a, um, a base uh, the uh, basic income, does that stay? Is this an excuse to sort of have that 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 creep into our our um, society, into our public policy about some of these sorts of uh, things that are being pushed from various factions? Is it um, you know even in terms of what the law enforcement agencies will likely be able to do? Kim just mentioned like in the city of Vancouver, for example, uh, or in sorry, the province of British Columbia, just the extraordinary measures and and tools that we're putting at um, law enforcement and their ability to enforce these new measures. So what are we prepared to accept and not? I am, I, this is the libertarian in me always says, you know, I'm very nervous whenever we give governments these creeping powers because they often tend to like them. 
and don't give them up. And I would put this, the basic income in that similar category, not quite as what we would give up in terms of our freedoms and in terms of mobility, for example, but certainly um, financial freedom, uh, a basic income is unbelievably expensive long term. And uh, I mean, it's just not something I would support in, for, uh, for as a permanent measure. Yeah, it's interesting in the states they're having that argument now. Uh, the Senate can't pass this bill of a couple of trillion dollars. And uh, Mitch McConnell, who was a Senate majority leader, was uh, really bemoaning the fact that the Dems, the counterparts, were trying to, uh, in terms of tweaking the bill to get it passed, they wanted to have the Green New Deal ushered in there, and he thought it was by stealth. And so this is the complaint that somehow, uh, you know, big, big money, like astronomical figures are being talked about. Everybody wants the kitchen sink and others thrown into the equation. I want to come back, you know, to the point that you just made, uh, here, Adrian, I wanted to see how you feel about the Emergency Measures Act, which replaced the War Measures Act, if it's time to trigger that. Do we play the nuclear option now? Has it gotten so severe and dire a situation that it's time for the Prime Minister to uh, go the full distance on this, go all in? We'll see if Canadians can uh, actually stand that by their temperament. In a moment, as we get back to our panel and topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville, Adrian Batra from The Sun, Kim Wright from Wright Strategies on The Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.